And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Yeah, look at it. It's Big John McCarthy and the man, the myth, the legend. Look at the jawline. It's Josh. The Pork Thompson. Thompson. <laughs> the Pork, baby. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm How you doing, baby? The, the pork. pork. He's a dude. The pork already out. Oh, easily. <laughs> easily. Probably was very close to me when he when you first got him. Oh, man. He's what is he, about big. 200 now? Yeah. He's, about, yeah, he's solid, yeah. man. Got some big balls, too. <gasps> just like you. <laughs> do they do they mount themselves, or you have to jerk them off and then inseminate? Oh, God, no. No? They, think they, they do, do all, it themselves? all themselves? Even that big-ass belly? They, they just get yeah, deep in there, man. Balls deep. deep. That's fucking great. I, I mean, I mean, if, if you're gonna name him Josh the Pork Thompson, you might as well name him Balls Deep. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go, uh, guys. We're gonna we're gonna get like a sexual harassment. Straight <laughs> we are, to we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna um we're gonna do a fan Q and A today. Um, but before we get started on that, there was a fight announcement that we wanted to talk about it was Diego Lopez versus Sadiq Youssef. Great fight, man. Absolutely great fight. That's a good. It's a great a good step up in competition uh, for Diego. And I know that he fought um, uh, Evelov. Evelov. What's Evelov? Mo- no, Mo- yeah. uh, he fought Evelov. Was it in his oh, first that's right. fight that's what, on a last minute? Forgot. Place. That's why I had. I thought it was a uh, Mokaev, uh, but no, it was it was Evelov. Was it Evelov? Uh, no, Mokaev is hundred. That's right. That's, I'm sorry. I'm getting them all. Diego Lopes. Yep, right there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, overall, sorry. They're all all the names sound alike. That's <laughs> one big run-on sentence. Uh, but this this to me is a great fight. You've got Sadiq Youssef, who's fast on the feet. He's got good wrestling, been utilizing utilizing his wrestling a little bit more lately. Coming off a loss. Coming off of a loss. Yes, I agree. But Diego, though, is coming on. He's got fire. Diego's caught fire. The confidence oh, yeah. is there. The UFC is high on him. And they're gonna do what they can to push this young man. How could, how could you not Absolutely be? Fantastic. Let's be honest. He is, you know, I gave him my the submission of the year, I believe, based upon just the way he pulled it off and his transition game. He's got it all. He is a handful now. Sodique is athletic, fast, got power in his hands. His last fight against Edson Barbosa, though. He had one good round, and the, the rest of them just started to like get away from him, and he wasn't able to pull the trigger the way he normally does. This will be interesting because he's going to be having to fight off a guy that can go anywhere uh, with the, the game no matter where Sodik wants to be. He's comfortable there, and he might end up getting, getting it to the ground, I think, is a place that he does have a distinct advantage over Sadiq. But great match. I think on the feet, he's got a pretty good advantage. I wouldn't say advantage, but he... I, Power-wise, I got Yes, go power-wise, but I think Diego being just a little bit more of that grittier fighter who will dig deep in the exchanges, who will who will make it a dirty, grimy fight. He'll get in the clinch and elbow and knee, and he'll also stay on the outside and try to kickbox with you. And then if the fight does hit the ground, I think he's leaps and bounds better than uh, Sadiq Youssef on the ground. I like what the UFC is doing with him. And I think if you're uh, Diego, you understand they'd like me. Just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Because look, they like that's me. important, John. You know as well <laughs> as is. I know it is that being it liked is. by the higher ups 
is very important. You were going to say Dana. Yeah, but Dana. Okay. He, he's like my but Dana. Even if they're, I don't blame, yeah, blame Dana. Yeah, I like, I like him. him too. He's got a good look to him. He fights his ass off. Um, yeah, the the mullet. He's man, marketable. He's marketable though. <laughs> no, he is. He's, he's great. He, dude, he fights yeah. and he fights at a fast pace. He's yeah. fun to watch. I think I think this is going to be a great fight. I'm going to lean towards Diego though. The confidence, the the feeling of like now UFC feels like home. Uh, well. And you, what you're saying is they like him. Look at look at what card he's on. Yeah, that that tells you it's that great, like it. it's a great card for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, if you get if you get thrusted onto the the 300 card, you know that they're trying to put some some some. You're, uh, you're some good yeah, exactly, exactly. Josh Thompson wouldn't have been on that card. They would have never no, put me no, on. No. So. <laughs> uh all right but yeah overall that's gonna be a great fight but we're gonna get into some some fans q a and uh if you guys don't know what that means that there's a question and then we give you an answer the best to our ability possibly, possibly an answer to the best of our ability but before we do that make sure you guys smash that uh subscribe button there in our youtube channel hit the little thumbs up and the bell notifications i want to thank you guys for continuing to support us look we couldn't have done any of this without you guys you guys keep flooding our our comment sections and I keep replying to you guys, whether it's good or bad, just take it on the chin, guys, because you're all taking the L. I'm the one with the mic, and I'm the one delivering L's, okay? That's what I do around here. <laughs> but I, lo I love to get into the comments every once in a while and have some fun with you guys and reply to you guys. And uh, and uh, this is another way for us to kind of hit back into the comments or into the queue. You guys put up some questions. We're going to try to give you the answers the best we can. Continue to support us, and we thank you. Share our content out to everyone as much as you possibly can so we can try to continue uh, building on our subscribers. But if you are not a subscriber right now, you have to subscribe. Hit the bell and the notifications because we drop some some random shows here and there. We do have another show probably either dropping today, later today, or oh, sorry, this won't be today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking Josh, Josh does it every time. Uh, there will be a show. There will be some shows that come up that we'll be dropping periodically throughout the week. Don't be surprised if you miss it. So if you hit that bell, you won't be surprised. You'll get the notification. John, uh, Dave, what do you got for us in terms of uh, questions? Yeah, we'll start with uh, HSOT351, who wanted to know, is UFC 300 too quick of a turnaround for Duplessis versus Adesanya? Uh, I, I don't think so. If he's, not in, if he's not injured, I think it's actually a good turnaround. I think the motivation is there. I think a good, you know, two, three weeks off to let his high, his eye heal, uh, you know, get the cardio in, you know, that's all you really need to worry about right now. He's not going to get any, there's no, there's not going to be any skills that he gets a lot better at. So don't rush into jumping back into the fight camp in terms of training, rush back into getting, making sure that your conditioning doesn't get too far out of hand. The problem with people that turn around and do a quick turnaround is that that last week after your, after they fought, they go out and eat pizza and hot dogs and soda. And, and that's what I did. And that's what a lot of people do. Lots, Lots of beers, beers, you know, whatever it is, your extracurricular activities, whatever that is. A lot of fighters go off and do that after that first week because you got a paycheck now and you're free. You have nothing lined up. So you're free to do whatever you want. If he kind of understood what was going to happen, he went right back to, to home, probably enjoyed like, you know, a two or three or four day period of, you know, eating healthy, but good food and a lot of it. And then also um, probably should be getting back onto his conditioning and cardio, giving his body a good four to five days of rest, eating healthy and clean food, and getting ready for uh, the stitches maybe to come out below his eye and his eye to swelling to go down, maybe hitting the mitts, maybe uh, shadow boxing, whatever it is to break a sweat throughout those days, but then getting ready. I don't think it's a quick turnaround. 
I don't think so. I think it's good for him uh, in this process. Understanding the motivation to fight Izzy on probably the biggest card in the last five, six years or something like that. I think it's a good opportunity for him to capitalize and build his name even bigger uh, in the South African market. I agree with you. Uh, everything you're saying, I look at is if you're going to take a look and say, look, he fought in January, end of January. He's got 10 days, okay, just to go and heal up. He's got another month from there that he can just take and make nice, easy, you know, uh, process back into the gym, keep his cardio up. But even at that end of February, he's got March and part of April. You could have a good eight week camp, no problem, no stress with it, no different than any other where you can get yourself ready. So it's just a matter of does he want to? You know, does he feel healthy and does he want to? But the question is, does Izzy want to do that fight? Because I've heard multiple times, nope, not going to do it. Now he may be saying that because. You know, people in the UFC are telling him, don't tell anybody, and that's okay. But does he want that fight, and does he want it on that date? John, I saw a picture of Izzy, I think, on the Volkanovsky uh, Instagram. He looks a little thick around the waist right now. So maybe he doesn't start the camp coming in. Like, you know, I know we still have time. Don't Let's not get – look, Sure, it's not sure. like he's another fighter that just – he said he went away, but this is really just a maternity leave. He's only been gone for about six weeks, if that. You know, he hasn't been gone that long. Yeah. Let's not put into this big thing. He's been gone for two years, and he's coming back. No. no, no. This guy literally missed like a week of training, probably, and they just went out and enjoyed himself, and now he's back. I mean, let's not let's not over over uh, emphasize the fact that he's been gone for like what since October. When did he leave? Oh my God! What his fight but, with with Sean Strickland was October, right? November. I want to say okay. November. Yeah, so end of October, beginning of November. Yeah. So I, I think if he, so, no and look, all. we're just speculating that this fight could potentially be the headline for three hundred, and if it's not, it's not. No big deal. And if Izzy wants more time off, more time off. This fight card is stacked. They're doing what they can. I mean, they just yeah. added the Kayla Harrison, uh, the Diego Lopes. I mean, they they're adding fights. So and it's already a stacked card. It's going to be a great card. I think every fight's going to be entertaining. Um, as of right now, it seems to be that way. So there's a lot of excitement about the card itself. I think people were just waiting for this big fight announcement to happen as a main event. Da, da, da. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Look, we, some of the shit, some of the shittiest cards on paper ended up being some of the best cards and some of the best cards on Absolutely. paper ended up being some of the shittiest cards. So let's not look True. too much into it. Let's see if the fighters come out because it is UFC 300 and they deliver. And that's really what you should be thinking. That's really what you should be thinking the most. What else you got, Dave? Next. All right. Um, Laflam5276 asks, when when realistically could we see a rule change for the knees to a grounded opponent? People seem to <laughs> use that technically <laughs> to avoid damage by putting fingertips on the ground like this weekend at 297. Evloev, Mokaev, Walker, Sterling. John? <laughs> John, take it away, buddy. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a change to that fairly uh soon you got to figure that the uh the association of boxing commissions and combative sports they meet once a year and that's in july normally towards the end of july but they have been doing things like uh zoom calls and things where they can vote and stuff and this is something that, you know there's all kinds of things that need to be changed and i think you will be seeing changes to the rules coming up this year uh will one of those be you know the changing of a ground fighter maybe maybe you yeah. know I don't know what else to say. 
Um, I, I think if we did see a change, John, would it be more of them trying to get away from um, knees to a grounded opponent at all, like at all, or would it be more of them trying to just let it open up to being like, look, we're going to just they're start never going to open it. people. They're not going to open it up like what you have ah. from Pride, or what you had from, uh, we'll say one F- <laughs> one FC, what they do. Well, it's, I get it. You're just not going to get there, and so baby steps. That's exactly it. So what you want to do is you want to do something that is clearer to everybody. Is the wording of the rule needs to be? There's no doubt. You can do this, and once you're in this position. You are, you're grounded right now. The problem is you have too many variations of a rule. You know, it's one of the problems with the sport of MMA is we are governed by government. What does the government do? Well, not a fucking not a damn thing. thing, not a damn thing. There you go. So to sit there and uh, there's no sports besides boxing and MMA that are controlled by the government. The government sets up athletic commissions for their individual states. That state, you know, puts the people in that they want. Doesn't mean that they know anything about boxing or MMA, but usually those are positions that are handed to people by governors, but because, oh, you did me a favor, you you uh, donated money to my campaign, all these different things. Sometimes they put people there that really do know. Sometimes they don't. So you got to look and say, these are the people that are going to make decisions. And right now we have Nevada has its rule. The rule of the hand on the ground must be bearing weight. Okay. That goes all the way back to, you know, 2001. And what I came up with when I saw someone put one finger down to the ground, I said, look, no, that's not going to be it. You have to bear weight on your hand. You have to show that you're trying to be a grounded fighter. So that's, in Nevada, that's where it is. If you look at the unified rules, it used to, we we went from one hand to all oh, you had to put two hands, and the reason for putting two hands was not because we wanted a fighter to put two hands down. We wanted them to do something different. Don't put two hands down. That's stupid. Put your knee to the ground. Put your butt to the ground. Put yourself as a grounded fighter. Put your hands in a position to protect yourself. Then people got caught up in the language, didn't like it, and put it back towards, okay, one hand down, Either palm down, fist down, had to be that way. That's your problem is you have three variations that are still out there. And it's wrong. It's wrong for the fighters. It's horrible for the officials. This is what Mark Goddard got caught up in with the Arnold Allen versus Evelov fight is he has a commission telling him before the fights, look, we go by the New Jersey rules. Okay, There is no New Jersey rules. But he's told that. And he's going, what, the, what do you mean New Jersey rules? Which is saying, I'm going all the way back to 2001 where someone can put a fingertip down and they're going to be down. Ridiculous. But this is where we're at. Do I think there's going to be a change? I do. Do I know more than that? Yes, I do. But I think there will be a change. Well, so then should I be like uh, media and just keep prying until I get the answer I want? Is that what I should do here? Because <laughs> yeah, that's what you should do. <laughs> no, uh, you're not going to get it. <laughs> so what you're saying is I, there's a chance. What They're saying, saying there's a chance there's that a there's going to be a rule change. You're saying there's um, a chance. There's a chance. I, I've I, I've heard some. And there's, look, okay. Here's the, the the big thing, Josh is Josh. Does there need to be Absolutely. a change? 
Okay. And that's the whole point. There needs to be a change. It needs to be more clear and it needs to be where everyone knows, oh, he's grounded. Oh, he's not. Oh, she's grounded. Oh, she's not. My ideal. And that can be done. My ideal to being a grounded opponent, if my butt or my hips are touching the ground, you are grounded. Outside of that, it should be fair game. That's just my, or, or, yeah, it just button hips. The rest of the stuff, I could be mounting to some sort of offense. And that's the thing. Even if I'm on, on all fours and my forearms are touching, not even just my hands, my forearms and my elbows are touching. If your forearms are touching, you're going to be I a I get what you're fight. saying, but that's still an offensive position for me because I can still grab and snatch a leg when you try to knee me in the head. So I should be allowed to knee you in the head because that also opens up the opportunity for me to get taken down. I get what you're saying. Again, ba- remember what you're saying? Baby step. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just feel that if you, as long as you, if your hips or your butt or your back are on the ground, you're a grounded opponent. But if I'm on all fours, the opportunity for me to grab your leg when you knee me in the head is there, and that means I can mount an offense. Anytime I can mount a... You, there's, there's no doubt that you're, you're always going to be able to mount an offense from a mm-hmm. position, be it a good offense or be it a poor offense. You're going to be able to mount an offense from a position, even from your back. You can mount an offense. Okay. There's going to be that point. Can you throw up a triangle from your back? Can you throw yeah. that's offense? Can you throw it, go after an armor? Of course. So you got to look and say, there's always going to be a, the, any position you can mount an offense. It's which position is it that, it that it's clear you're on the ground. And if you're on all fours, if you're on your knees with your forearms on the, you're, you're on the ground. You're not a standing fighter. And so that's where yeah, the the rule would be protecting you from being needed. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see that change here soon because it needs to happen. Um, you know, and eventually one day maybe we'll get rid of this whole 12 to six bullshit. You know, that's going to go <laughs> like Say fingers crossed. Let's go. Let's go. We're getting smarter. We're getting smarter. I, as, you as said government and you said smarter. And nah, I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe good point. It. I don't believe it. I'll believe it when it happens. <laughs> Look, I've sat in those and I've been there and for at the California commission and outside yes, of Andy have. Foster, the rest of them have no fucking clue what they're talking about. And um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, what else you got for us, Dave? Another one. Uh, yep. S U U M C U I Q U E. Do not know how to say that. 93 <laughs> asks who should Tremaya fight next? Maybe Marvin Vittori. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I said yesterday, I did an OnlyFans live yesterday. If you guys haven't uh, subscribed to us over there, subscribe to us over there at OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. I did OnlyFans live yesterday. It was in the real good conversation with probably, I don't know, you know, 20, 30 people. It was great because we were talking about this exact thing. He hasn't fought one contender at 185 pounds, and he's over here saying he deserves a title shot. Give me, give me somebody in the top five. You have a dominant performance or you look good at 185 pounds against someone in the top five, I'll go ahead and warrant and I'll say that go right ahead and give him a title shot because the hype is around him. But right now, after listening to his interviews and all this, he sounds like a crybaby. You know, I was promised this. I was promised that since when does Dana give a shit what he's promised? Okay. We've seen before in the past. He's promised <laughs> fighters a lot. Look, you didn't have a great performance against Kamar Usman. You lost the third round against a guy who's a, yes, a, a pumped up 170 a pounder who's pumped up to 185 well not only pumped up on short notice a guy that came in on a couple yeah. days notice yeah so i and you're losing the third yeah. round to him not a good look and i said this i said yeah. this uh 
last week, and I said it also on the uh, on the OnlyFans Live, was that he hasn't looked the same since he got COVID. His conditioning, his cardio, just... I, I haven't seen him fight long either, though. But I, I've seen some of his old fights where he went a little bit later, like in the second or third, or second round. He always The farthest he ever went yeah, was the second, second round. round. Uh, but he looked yeah. like he was fine. This, since he's gotten COVID, he seems like his lungs are hurting in some way. He's had problems with his, his conditioning since then. At least that's what I've seen. So I need to see him fight someone like a Marvin Vittori or Jared Cannonier. I need to see him fight one of those top level guys before I go out there and say, hey, let's give you the title shot. And if you, I agree with you. And those are the two guys that I actually would pick. I would say, let's, let's put you against Jared Cannonier. Let's put you against Marvin Vittori. If you want someone in the, that top five you know, position, if not, I want to put you against Bo Nickel. I would say Roman Delizzi is my guy. That's the guy that I want to see him fight because he's got the wrestling. I'll yeah, I say Nickel. I agree with you, Bo Nickel. I also, it's not fair to throw someone who's had this much experience against someone like Bo, who's only had what five fights, four fights. Yeah, I don't look at okay. it that way. Uh, well, and, and the reason why, I, first off, you got to you know a little bit about the background mm -hmm. of Bo Nickel. I know a little bit about the background of Bo Nickel, and he's been doing this a lot longer than people realize. And all of the wrestling, the amateur wrestling that he's done is all set into being prepared for competition and it being something that he's incredibly comfortable with. And at this point, he's comfortable with the transition into MMA and the fighting. You can see it in his stand-up. You can see the way he's, he's uh, now just you know taking his time in fights. I'm not saying Shamaya doesn't have more experience in an MMA cage. He does. But he doesn't have more experience overall in competition. And so I think it's You don't a great think match. with like Sambo matches and all that stuff, he doesn't have as much competition. No, because he really didn't do Sambo. He, he, he you gotta figure he grew up in Sweden yeah. for the most part. So he wasn't doing the same background as like a Makashev yeah. or any of those guys. Those guys are doing, you know, hundreds yeah. of Sambo matches as you know kids growing up and stuff and yes they have a ton he didn't have that he had wrestling and and he you know he competed a lot but he didn't have the the same amount as the guys coming from dagestan this is true this is true um he just needs to for me he needs to fight somebody that's in that top position in that top five give okay. me the top five you have a good performance even if you ink out a win i'm still going to probably give you the title shot because it's there it's there for you. You've done all. I think he's he's brought a lot of hype into the whether it's the welterweight division or the the eighty five pound division. He brought a lot of hype to the UFC. People want to see him fight for the title. I'm fine with that. But you got to get into that top five. Give me somebody in the top five, yeah. even if you win a close decision. I'll take it because I know that the guys that are right now at the championship level. Who who's the champ right now? It's DDP and Strickland. So DDP and Strickland. Strickland's fought pretty much all those guys in that weight class. Izzy's fought all those guys. He's kind of wiped out the division outside of Sean Strickland and DDP. And then you've got Chamayev and Delizzi kind of making their run right now. And Bodo kind of pull up the caboose in, you know, and kind of making his name. <laughs> so I, I just didn't want to see him fight somebody in that top five. Give me a win. And then I'll go ahead and give you the title shot or honor you the title shot. But you got to get a win against the top guy before you're giving a title shot. Well, and that's, that's really the, my only complaint about Chamayev is, all your wins are really against 170 yeah. pounders. 
You know, and, and look, you've beaten some good people. I'm not, you know, Kamaru Usman, phenomenal fighter. Gilbert Burns, phenomenal fighter. You've beaten good fighters. But it's always been that those fighters have been giving you problems near the end of that fight. And that's saying something about, well, how does your cardio go? And well, we're going towards a five-round fight. And at, in the 185-pound division, you know, he, ha- he doesn't have any wins against anybody that you go, that's, that's a real 185-pound yeah. fighter. That's someone that, as you're saying, is in the top five or even top mm-hmm. ten. So, yep. Next. All right. <clears throat> This next one here for from Hugh W. Dance. It's it's a long one, so get ready to absorb all of this and then uh, and respond accordingly. Should the UFC stop advising against ten ten scoring? Okay, stop there. Just, so just many stop co- there. Let's answer that one first. Let's go. Let's take. Let's break this up in sections because I'm looking at it too. So let's go ahead and should the UFC stop? He's trying to give examples. Uh, by the way, okay, go ahead, give examples. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, and so many close title fights, I hear, see people saying it all depends on who you give the round X to, like which whichever round, uh, which was very close. If those rounds are close uh, or it's not clear who won, shouldn't we just accept the round for what it is, a draw? Under this approach, several title fights may possibly have gone differently uh, recently. Strickland, DDP, Valentina Grasso too, Cejudo Sterling, etc., uh, I know this may increase overall number of fights which are scored draws, but there are cleaner and better ways to fix that than the current approach. Keen to get you guys' thoughts on this. Thanks for the great content as always. All right. So when you're taking a look and saying, should the UFC stop advising? UFC doesn't advise anybody because they're not the regulators. Uh, when you're looking at the UFC as a company, they're a promotion. They do self-regulate when they go to certain international locations. Taking a look at, uh, you know, going to United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi. They do bring a British coalition that, you know, helps them, but they're really kind of in charge of it. They do that in certain places. But for the most part, you're talking about commissions or regulating bodies uh, like Brazil, they have their officials and they're they're the ones telling their officials what they want. No commission wants to have judges that freely give out 10-10 rounds because most rounds are not 10-10. And here's the difference, that you, what you need to figure out. I, I was just on a, a call last night that Andy Foster from California, who Josh mentioned recently, he puts on a training thing. He asked me to be on it. I sat there on the whole thing. And... Part of it was refing, part of it is judging. And we watch, we watch fights. We watch fights that people complained about. Uh, ones that you can look at and say, this is this is very good as far as comparable and why. But you're looking at when people sit there and there was a fight between Semmelsberger versus Wells. Great fight. Semmelsberger in the beginning of that round hurts Wells twice, puts him down. Okay. Hurts him to the point you look and you go, almost can stop this fight. Wells works his way out of it and works his way out of it to the point where he, for a longer amount of time, puts on good ground and pound and accumulates a lot of uh, what we call accumulated damage, not instantaneous damage like he was hurt with, with the knockdowns. But you take a look at the fight and there was, you know, people that went both ways. Some giving it to Semmelsberger, some giving it to Wells. 
and the whole point of it is they have to equate who did the best in that round. And some are going to sit there and say, well, you could just make it a 10-10 round. No, you can't. Because there was somebody that won the round if you take a look at it. The problem for Semmelsberger is when did he hurt Wells? Early in the round. The first 25 seconds. Right? And he hurts him, goes after him, and then Wells, somewhere about you know a minute 45 into it, he starts to turn it around. He's, he's doing well. And we remember things at the end of the round more than we remember what was at the beginning of the round. If that fight had switched where Wells did really good for the first three and a half minutes. And in the last minute and a half, Semmelsberger knocked him down twice and hurt him. There would be no doubt about who won the round, but these are the things that happen. And, and judging is not an easy concept. It's difficult. And you have to look at it and you have to be able to systematically break it down in your mind of what is important. Is it important to have more volume meaning I put more strikes on you, or is it more important to put damaging strikes or damaging effects upon you? Ones that put you in a position where you could lose the fight. That's the question. And you're always going to get people that are going to argue back and forth. That's why you'll get people arguing back and forth about, well, it's a 10-10 round. No. Usually the 10-10 rounds are the worst fights that you'll ever see because nobody's doing anything. When you have fighters that aren't doing anything, you can get into a 10-10 round because no one deserves the round. No one did anything in it. You both Carla sucked. Esparza and Rose Namajunas. Carla Esparza, Rose Namajunas. You both flub the duck, okay? <laughs> it just is, that's when you'll get a 10-10 round. When you have a lot of action, no. You as the judge have to be able to equate why this fighter gets the 10 while this fighter gets the 9 in a very close round based upon, look, I'm going off of, you were in a position where you were almost put out of this fight. That's the worst thing that can happen to you in the fight. And you made it through it, congratulations, but you were hurt. You never hurt your opponent that way. Now, if you do and you bring it back, well, then we're talking about a different thing. But 10-10 rounds, they should be rare. Yeah, I don't want to see 10-10 rounds. I want to see real, I want to see real, um, <laughs> People would not no. be happy if there was a bunch of 10, get a 10 bunch rounds. Of, they would be all The other thing, off. too, is that you get a bunch of draws. And when you get a bunch of draws, both fighters yeah. are getting screwed. One of them, actually, one of them is getting screwed out of some money. Um, you can always say who yeah. won the round. It's up now Some when fights like Rose and Carla and, and then you have Stipe and Nganu or, Dar sorry, uh, Lewis, Lewis and, and Derek Nganu. Lewis. Like those type and, of fights, yeah, sure, they're painful horrible. to watch and they're even more horrible to judge. But You've got to pick a winner because one person did that slightly a little bit more and deserves to get that pay. These guys are not like, even though we talk about, Oh, the fighter pay is ridiculous. This and that in terms of, they don't get paid enough. Well, let's not just pay them less now because by adding this 10 to more 10, 10 rounds, one of them is going to end up making less. So yep. no, I disagree with the 10, 10 rounds. Uh, next. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, next question here from Uni Sally seven four six five. Why can't they make Tony versus Connor so that Tony makes so much that he can ride off into the sunset regardless of the outcome? Also, Connor might get a win. Why fight Michael when your confidence isn't back and you have no clue how you'd do with that leg? 
Well, first off, it would be nice to get Tony a, a big paycheck. I'd love to see that. Tony's not going to ride off into the sunset. Okay. Tony's going to go out of this sport kicking and screaming. That's Tony. That's just the way he is. And that's, he wants to fight. He believes that he can beat anybody at any time. And he believes he's still as good as he ever was. He's not going to stop if you gave him a big paycheck against Connor. The, the problem that's going to be for Tony is, is, is he willing to take less money? Because eventually the UFC is going to say, am I getting what I'm paying for? Am I getting enough out of this fighter for what I'm paying this fighter to bring? And there'll come a point where they decide it's not worth it anymore. That's just if he continues to lose. You know, you got Tony's six. on what? An eight fight? I think it's six. Is it, I think it's, it's longer than six even. What is it? It'd be interesting to see because he's on either a, a seven, 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 one, two, seven fight. Yeah. That's a lot. You know, you got to figure Sam Alvey's. Sam Alvey was on a similar losing streak, but Sam doesn't cost what Tony costs. Sam also didn't have the name you that know? Tony has. No, he doesn't. You know, and that's why he didn't cost what Tony cost. But there comes a point, and you can take a look at all those right there. That's a lot, you know, and it, it happens to every fighter. It's, you know, there comes that point. You're just not as good as you once were. You can't take the same shots as you once were able to. You're not as fast, so you can't land the same shots that you once were capable of. Everything changes. You know, it's father times a motherfucker. Okay. Yeah, I think people are assuming that Connor's going to come back and fight Michael Chandler. I don't think we're going to see Connor this year. I, I, it has happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to see Connor this year. Like Dana came out the other day and goes, look, you know, when Connor's ready, you know, uh, you will we'll see Connor fight. When Connor's ready, you know, we will we'll have a fight, fight for him. him. But I, I just, yeah. who that will be against, he still said, well, we're yeah. not sure. And I, dis- and I disagree with the you. fact that when Connor's ready, we'll have a fight for him. I think that's BS also. I think right now is what you're seeing is you're seeing a holdout by the UFC on his contract. He has one fight left. He doesn't want, the UFC never wants their fighter to go away with one fight left on the contract. They don't. There has to be a sunset clause on that eventually, though. I mean, if they if they're basically offer him someone, I mean, he's been extended now forever. So know. there's going to be some time, but it's going to take another year or two. I mean, he he had the after, when was the last time he fought? Twenty twenty one. Yeah, he fought in twenty twenty one. Connor, I think that that. Yeah. I think it was July. at the end of twenty. No, it was July. Was it July? July? Okay, so yeah. July. July. So we're take, we're going to come yeah. up on a year. It'll be a late leg in What? Oh, years. sorry, 2021. I, I thought you said, I thought he said last July. <laughs> That's like, what? No, I thought he said last July. I was like, okay, yeah. So this has been no. 2021 in July. That extends your contracts for another year. Now you're saying you were ready? In yeah. July. In July, we got three years he's been gone. Oh, shit. You know, yeah, look, you can, you can take a, if you take a look at Connor, he's a different mm-hmm. person. He looks different. You know, it's just everything about him is not the look of a person that you say wants to be back in the sport. Yeah. Just no, I agree. Honest. I agree. 35 years old. It's not going to get any easier for him. You know, him fighting anybody, whether it's Chandler this, or whether it's, you know, anybody. And a lot of it, you know, again, he's when I say he's a different person, what I'm saying is 
He's got what four kids now? I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back back when Connor was being Connor and winning stuff, how many kids do you have? Yeah. Zero. Okay. Then he had his first son, and then you know, he's he's got the three other ones now. And and that's fantastic. Congratulations to him. But it changes who you are. It does, no matter what you want to say. Having kids changes you. It changes your your perspective it changes your what you believe in it changes your purpose it changes what you're willing to go through and what you're willing to miss there's a ton there and and he's gonna he's gonna have to decide if any of that's worth it but you know he's a different person it's okay yeah i think i think the ufc is going to be holding them out until he resigns a new contract and and that sunset clause is going to last another two years by then he'll be 37 they won't care what he does you know, so if I can drag you out, offer you fights that we know you potentially don't want to take, I'll say like, "Hey, I want you to fight." You know, Islam. He's gonna be like, "Fuck no, he's not taking that fight. He's not taking that fight." So, you know, um, I want you to fight Armin. Yeah, yeah right. Like they're gonna be like, "No, we're not. I'm not taking that fight." He may take the Islam fight because Islam's a champ, but like, yeah, but he yeah. would take that one because. But to champ, fight Armand or to fight Gamrot or those guys, they'd be like, "Nah, nah," you know, and so. I think that they are holding him out and holding him prisoner right now, I guess you would say. Holding, holding him, hostage? him hostage right now. What which you is, say? Look, yeah. they are notorious for doing this. They did it. They did it with me. They've done it with several fighters. When you come up on your last that, year. Several. Almost every several. Almost <laughs> it's like common. Yeah. It's a if common. If they don't occurrence. resign you by your second fight, they're gonna hold you because they wanna they'll fight you at the last bit the last moment they can on your second to last fight. And then that last fight. They're going to keep pushing you out. Nope, we're not ready to fight you. Nope, we're not ready to fight you. We have time, you know. We'll, but then they throw an offer out to your management and they wait for you to try and get re-signed. They want you to come to them going, hey, this is, you know, what, what are we doing with our contract? Are we going to negotiate this? That's it. <clears throat> well, you got this is what people need to understand. The UFC, what does time mean to them? They got all the time in the world. As a fighter, your career is passing yeah. you by. The longer you wait, it's passing you by. You've only got so much time. So you're 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 in that position. They can wait. You you don't quite have that option. It's not quite the same. What you have to as a fighter, what you have to remember is if you're not making money for them, they're keeping you from making money from other promotions. So it's a win-win for them. If you're not going to fight for me, at least you're not making money for somebody else by fighting for them. So we're going to just hold you as long as we possibly can. And in in that process, those years are ticking off and you're never going to get those years back. So that means those are years that you're not going to go somewhere else and help make somebody else more money. So they know what they're doing. They know that we can just sit here and just let you with our hands, just wash our hands of you. And you can sit over there and do nothing. And I'm going to keep extending you four months, six months in your contract. That's what they do. And if you turn down any fights, then they're going to say, oh, we're going to add that to your... As soon as you turn down a fight, like if they went to to, oh, to Connor and said, hey, we want you to fight Gamrot or Sarukian, and he said no, that's a six-month extension. Four to six months. As soon as he turned around and said, hey, okay, I'm ready to fight again. Like, you know, hey, I'm ready. Like, that's what they did with Nate for so long, Nate Diaz. And they'll say, okay, look, we'll give you... And then they offer you a different opponent, but it could be somebody else you didn't want. Nope, they extend you again another four to six months. So you, they can drag this thing out as long as they want. Oh, it's, it's a so process. Long. 
And those are years, like John said, those are years you're never going to get back. Never. And but Josh, you don't think that you don't think the contract A Connor probably has a different contract no, than he does not. standard rules. No. And B that he doesn't have a bit more kind of like negotiating no. power. No. Neither. Well, I do think Connor has more negotiating power than any other fighter that the USC has. But it's not written contract. in the contract. That's what I think Dave, I felt like Dave was saying. It's not written in there that he he is able to do this, this, and this. It's not. It's a it's a handshake negotiation power. Like, hey, we'll listen to you because you're Connor, because you've done so much for the company. We'll listen to you, but we're not gonna we're not gonna allow you to step on us. We're not gonna let you know the bulls bully us around. Look, remember when he said, Oh, I'm gonna own part of this company? Did that ever happen? I want to no. be a partner. They're like kick rocks, yeah. kid. Like it doesn't matter how big you are because they know you're not going to be in five, 10 years. We're going to bring in a new crew of fighters. They're going to worry about the Sarukians. They're going to worry about the Gamrots. They're going to worry about all the fighters at Kayla Harrison's. They're going to worry about the ones that are coming in to make them more money for this next step in this next gen. They're always looking for something new to replace what the old is. They're going to do the same shit to John Jones. They're doing it now. They're already like, nope, let's have John fight Stipe. And then guess what? Both of you guys right off into the sunset. We're just going to build up Tom Aspinall from here on out. He's young. He's talented. He's fast. We've got it. We've got this all. You know, we've got Almeida there in the, you know, in the, in the cuts ready to come in too to fight uh, Tom Aspinall. We've got guys that are younger and coming up. They know what they're doing. They've been doing this forever. They've been burned by BJ Penn. They've been burned by other fighters and understanding where they left and came back. GSP burned them at the, at the double champ status. They know what they're doing. They've seen it all. Fighters, you know, another fighter may get over them, get over on them one day. But as of right now, they've seen all of this happen already. They know what fighters do. And so they're hits of the game. They're not giving people any more power than they know that they don't need to. I'll give you a little bit here, but everything is going to be on a handshake, John. That's really what it is. Like when uh, Hamzat Chemaev goes, well, yeah, you promised me a title shot. You promise. Is it in the contract? It. If it's not in the contract, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. It, it. it all comes back to take a look at what's happening with the, the, the antitrust lawsuit. All of the information that is now coming out in discovery and look at some of the you know, emails and texts between you know, the, the higher ups and look at, look at the words they're using about some of the fighters. Yeah, it's it's not complimentary, okay? Because that's it's you need to understand the way they look. It's business. You know, Go ahead, say it, it again. I know. No, say, say say the Lorenzo quote again. Lorenzo told you one day. What is the quote he said? He told me straight out. He goes, John, you need to understand. Friendship is friendship, and business is business. He goes, but friendship will never be business. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, completely different aspect in the way that I look at things, but that's why he's a billionaire and yeah. I'm not. And, <laughs> and so don't, I guess when people go on social media and like talk harshly to me or in the comments, they talk harshly to me. It's look, I already have this understanding from years of dealing with whether it's UFC, other promoters, whatever it is of how they look at us as, as fighters. I've had friends that played in the NFL. I've had friends that played in the NBA I have friends that play in the NBA now and they have made it very clear to me. And they made it clear to me when I, at a young age, when I was just coming up, these managers, these promoters, these people that work in the NFL and the NBA, they look at you as a dollar sign. 
whatever your dollar sign <laughs> is, and you, let's just say you have a $4 sign maximum, that you're a $1 sign, a $2 sign, a $3 sign, a four, four being the max of like, hey, we'll give this guy whatever he wants. He's a max out player. If you're a $1 sign player, they don't pay any attention to you. Just collect your check and shut up and don't worry about it. Do what you're told. $2 sign payer, same thing, but are you on the rise or are you on the decline? $3 sign, okay, we'll start giving you more. We'll start pushing sponsors your way. $4 sign is basically your LeBron, your Kobe, your Jordan. Like you can do whatever you want. You can fucking take the owner's hat and shit in it in the street and he won't say shit because he knows what kind of money you bring in. We're shitting in hat. And, and, and that's it's a it's a reality. So when you when these all this discovery comes out, what did you expect them to say? Like, oh man, I love this kid. He's so great. Fuck no. They don't say that shit to each other. This guy's acting like a douche. He wants more money. Fuck him. That's how they talk about you guys behind closed doors. Don't act like when they when he says, Oh, I love this kid. I love behind closed doors when your manager's talking to him, he's like, Ah, they're not saying that. Don't think and don't get your hopes up and believing that. It's not true. Okay, they maybe hang out with you or say hi to you, and they, you know, they. But in reality, when it comes time to negotiate your contract, you see it all the time in major sports. John, am I right? You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. As soon as that contract comes up, oh, he doesn't he doesn't move the needle, as he said about Nate Diaz. Oh, you know, he, people don't tune in for him, or it doesn't bring in the revenue that you know other fighters have done before in the past. They will come yep. up with any excuse to say why they should pay you less to justify why they should pay you less. So that it's, it's, it's a, it's a, what is that? It's the test of times or whatever it was like the oldest something of time. Some, yeah, (laughs) it's it's a hard hard life, but anyways, like, Hindsight is 50. Yeah, hindsight's 50. 50. 50. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, before we move on, they will go to Wayne go to onlyfans.com slash Wayne and subscribe to us over there. Um, I've done a live show over there just yesterday. I'm gonna or a couple days ago. I'm gonna do it again coming up here in the next day or so. Make sure you guys uh subscribe to us over there. It is free for you guys. Got my OF sweater, got my OF uh neon light, and uh make sure you guys subscribe to us over there. Look, we just talk about fights. You're not going to see any other content or smut unless you subscribe to that content or smut. If you subscribe only to us, the only thing that will come up on your feed will be us. That's it. If you subscribe to other fighters, just our ugly, yeah, just faces. Our ugly faces. If you subscribe to any other fighters, then you will be able to see their content as well. You will not be able to see any of the other smut whatsoever. So if your wife comes to you and goes, why do you have an OnlyFans account? Tell her, I follow the podcast. I follow the other fighters that are on there and it's free. So it's not like it costs you money. And if any charges are ran through your credit card to go to OnlyFans, you better have a real justification to your wife. That is not on my that is not on me. That is on to you. Okay. But we are free. We offer free. So there's no reason for your wife to come to you and go, hey, why are you have OF charges on your our credit card? You don't have to worry about that because we don't charge. So if that's something you guys uh can explain to your wife and you feel comfortable uh coming over and supporting us over there, I do live shows over there. I'm going to do more of them now that I actually understand how it all works. Okay. And I plan on uh, being on there a lot more. So ask questions away over there. This Q&A that we're doing now, I'm going to do them a lot more over there. So you guys can just jump on with us anytime you guys want. If you guys are free and ask questions, uh, especially when there's news that dropped like Kayla yesterday. That's why I went on. Not yesterday, but the other day when I went on there and we were able to talk about it. So uh, join us over there at OnlyFans.com slash Wayne. This next question from Sean Hester, 8394. Is there any middleweight champ you think could beat GSP Prime versus 185 Bisping GSP? 
Like, so he's asking a, a fighter at 85 fighting uh, GSP when GSP fought by Ping is what I'm reading right here. I think a lot of them. <laughs> like a, George was uh, a perfect 170 yeah. pounder. Okay. His, the frame that he had, the amount of muscle that he carried, um, his speed and everything fit perfectly into the 170. In fact, a lot of people would tell you that his frame was a little bit small for the 170 pound weight class. It was just the amount of muscle that he carried, especially in his legs and ass and, and uh, that put him in that 170 pounds. But at 185, he was, I can tell you that, you know, I did that fight with him and Michael and in weighing in, just checking his weight, you know, a couple days before he was in jeans, a belt, shoes, no shirt, took the sh- shirt off. And he weighed in, in front of me at that 187 pounds. And I was like, man, you're barely going to make this. And he was trying to keep that weight on. He wasn't that kind of guy that, you know, he, he wasn't trying to put on extra weight because he didn't want to carry it. Cause he was afraid of that, you know, getting him tired. But at 185, there's guys that, you know, could have kept him from utilizing a lot of the wrestling that he had just strength-wise. There's some guys in there that would, you know, cause him problems. Delice would cause him problems. Uh, you know, obviously, a Bo Nickel, he's not going to out-wrestle. A Chemayev, he's not going to out-wrestle. Uh, speed-wise, he obviously has good speed, but there's guys that have power. And if there was one thing that George was always leery of, it was guys that hit hard. He did not do well against guys that had big power because he shied away from it. And I don't blame him. It's, you know, it's called being smart. He would, he would pick them apart. He would sit there and he would use a jab and be smart with the jab and use his footwork and not really engage in those, you know, bite down on the mouthpiece moments. He would be smart in the way he fought. 185 was, it was a good marketing thing for him with the right person in Bisping because Bisping didn't have a lot of power. You know, Bisping was a cardio athlete. He had great conditioning. He was tough as hell. He would absolutely fight anybody and put on a good performance, but he didn't have that big power. And that's one of the reasons George yep. took that fight. I would agree. I mean, George, if everyone I've talked to that's trained with him in terms of jiu-jitsu, they're like, man, he is so good on the ground. From Gordon Ryan to Frankie Edgar to all the guys that I know over at Hensel's that had trained with him and roll with them. They're like, he's really good on the ground. Doesn't get enough credit. I, I'm going to be, I'll be honest. I was up at TriStar one time and, and uh, watching George work out and knew a couple of the guys that were up there as far as jujitsu. And I watched George roll with them and I was amazed. I was like, holy shit. He's making someone that I know is really good looked pretty average and he was dominating positions on him and passing and just, you know, just doing things that you look at and you go, yeah, okay. You're way better than you even show in the fights when you don't have the pressure of, uh, you know, making a mistake and you're not worried about it. Wow. He was really, I agree. I agree. I had heard a lot of good things about him. Um, I I'd seen him train a little bit at Henzo's one time when I was there with Frankie, but I didn't get an opportunity to pay attention that much or that in depth because I was training myself, but yeah, everyone I've talked to said he was phenomenal on the ground. I think that was his wrestling ability, which he never wrestled when he was younger. He didn't pick that up until later. He just ingrained himself into wrestling programs. I believe believe he was wrestling at Simon Frazier and a couple other really good colleges up there in Canada. Simon Frazier has produced 
Olympic gold medalist, like uh, I can't remember his something Nigali, uh, was a was a uh, Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. He was wrestling up there around the same time or right after he had came out of Simon Fraser. There was some really good wrestlers out of that out of that college, and so he was able to pick those brains of those athletes, get better at wrestling. He wrapped his head around what it, what it was and how to do it off of transitions. One of the smartest fighters I've ever seen step in the cage was George St. Pierre. No, Hands up. no doubt. Next question. From Ricard Red 17 why do you think Balao and Leon hasn't been booked yet? I think there's going to be a little bit of a pause in here. I think Leon wants to probably take a second to enjoy his being a champ. I mean, it, it's going to be honest. Like it's when you win the title, it all comes so fast. And the last thing you want to do is rush right into the next fight. Aljo rushed into his, this last fight with uh, Sean O'Malley because he was told about the pay-per-view numbers, going to get paid this and that. And the numbers were shit. You know, it's like, this is what I got paid for. And I took the fight and I rushed it along. I could have spent time with family, could have done more things, you know, in this little bit of a process. There is something to be said about literally like taking time to, just decompress and leon i think needs to do that right now he needs to take his time to decompress and and um and enjoy this moment and then when he's ready to fight Bilal, he'll be ready to fight Bilal. that's what i think is happening no i agree with you i think it's a matter you gotta every fight's different and it's not so much sometimes the fight it's everything that leads up to the fight it's the marketing of the fight all those things Fighting Colby is a it's a pain in the ass. It's a strain on people because they're dealing with things that they don't normally aren't having to deal with, and it's something that you know. Hey, I need time away from the sport just so I can get myself back to where I'm comfortable, and then we'll go again. I think it's just Leon taking his time and being smart. Enjoy being the champ. It's part of it. Exactly. Nacho Libre six two four five. Big John. Nacho. Sorry. Big John, if you were the ref for the Czech Congo Pat Barry fight, would you have stopped the fight earlier in favor for Barry? No. I don't think I would have. I think everything that you're doing is you're what you're looking for the reaction of the fighter. And Congo definitely got hurt. He was hurt big time. And you're looking to see that they stop. They stop trying to either uh move the positions. They stop trying to be offensive back. They stop trying to get away and they just sit there and become a punching bag. That's when it's time. All right, we're looking at it. And it got close. But Congo was always trying to move and always trying to get himself back into the fight. And he was taking shots. But this is where you've got to understand as, you know, when, we, when, we, when we're teaching people as far as refereeing, these guys are professionals. This is their job. What we can't do is we can't keep them from being hurt. They're going to get hurt. That is part of what their job is. It's the hurt business. What you don't want is for them to receive what we call, uh, I'm trying to say it the right way. There's damage and then there's unreasonable damage. And you, you want to keep them from accepting unreasonable damage in the fight, damage that's going to, uh, make it to where they don't come back the same. But if they're trying in it, you got to let them go, even though you're, you're close to stopping it. But I thought that uh, Dan, you know, he he got close. 
He got close a couple of times to stopping that. He let it go. And then obviously as the fight turned and, and Congo put Barry out with one shot, it made Dan look great. But we've had a lot of fights very similar to that. You know, and there's ones that you look at and you go, oh, I should have stopped it one one shot sooner. You know, it's going to happen when you're trying to let things go. But you, you also have to go off of the level of the fight. It has a lot to do with it. You know, championship fights, I'm going to let go a lot farther than I am a matched fight based upon there's, there's differences of pay. There's differences of people that, have earned the right to be in that fight. You know, you're going to also do it based upon, you know, in that fight with uh, Pat and check first round. Look at if, if a guy's going to come back and from being hurt, their best chance is in the first round because they've got cardio, they're in shape and they're going to respond the best in coming back in that first round. So all those things are things that you're thinking about as you're looking and saying, show me what I need to see for me to stop this fight. And I'm being honest. I think I would have let it go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, <clears throat> dude, got that one. From Special Fighter 93, Josh and John, if there was something you could have, would have, or should have changed about your fight and ref and career, what would it be? Thank you for all the great content, guys. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, For John. me, I would have just taken it more serious. It's about the whole career, the whole career as a whole. There's not one specific fight that I would have changed. Um, you know what I mean? Like I just would have taken it more serious. There was moments early in my career when, when I was signed by the UFC in 2001, 2002, 2003, whatever it is for whatever. It just really would have, I was out having fun. I was literally would do my camps like four weeks, five weeks before the fight actually was. I mean, I was still training every day. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like intense, hard training. It was, but it wasn't like I was training with other guys. I was training with Koss and Fit and Swick and getting them ready for their fights and all this other stuff. But, and even then, um, just taking it more serious, not being out at the clubs, you know, buying bottles, hanging out, trying to basically just trying to be more well-known all this stuff was, you know, before social media. So you had to actually be out trying to shake people's hands and getting to know club owners and getting to know, you know, uh, sponsors. You had to be out there socializing with them versus just doing stuff on social media now where you really don't even have to talk to your, your sponsors. You just got to be like, okay, look, here's the deal. Send me the contract, sign it. Okay, now I'll post about it and move on. You don't get a relationship with them anymore. Whereas back then you had to meet with, you know, sprawl. Remember sprawl? The clothing line sprawl. You had to meet with tap out. Oh, yeah. You had to meet with, you had to talk to them. You had to see if they actually liked you, if it was a good fit. Um, there was all these companies that you had to meet with. Uh, Cobb 28, KTFO, um, you know, OTM. I mean, all these companies that were around that were clothing line companies. You had to meet with them, go out to dinner with them, go to, go to nightclubs with them. Cause that's how you ended up getting sponsors. Oh yeah. I hung out with them. Now they like you. And now you guys can start talking money. Let me introduce you to my manager. Let's talk. But I would have taken it a little bit different. I would have done that type of stuff differently. You know, um, I spent too much time at the club. I spent too much time out and about. And I look back now and I'm like, man, it could have been, it could have been different. It could have been different. So outside of that, no, nothing. I wouldn't change anything. I would tell you, uh, my, my situation is different than anybody else's based upon the sport 
when I came, you know, to the sport in the beginning, what was there, it, it all changed in a weird way for me. But I would say if there was anything, I, I took the sport incredibly serious. I took my job very serious. I think if there was one thing I took it too serious, I would, if I could change anything, just telling you straight out, I would have said no to the UFC and other things at times when I said, okay, and that I missed things with my kids. I missed, you know, I wasn't there for, you know, graduations at times because I was saying yes to I'll be where the UFC wanted me or something like that. I would change that. I made a mistake. Just being honest. That's got to be difficult, right? Like you're, it would be no, it would Sucks. be no different than, I mean, I, I say this, like I took fights knowing that it was like my cousin's wedding like that day. Yeah. I took fights knowing that like the fight was like a week after Thanksgiving. I would have turned those fights down. I probably would say the same thing. I remember John Fitch and I being at AKA because we had keys or I had keys, you know, and I would come in at, we'd come <laughs> or I had keys and <laughs> no one trusted Fitch with the keys. But I would, I would come in at, you know, to after we'd eat, we'd have Thanksgiving, we'd come in at 10 o'clock at night and do bike sprints, you know, on the assault bike. You know, at 1030 at night on Thanksgiving night, I have to leave Thanksgiving dinner with family and stuff and then go train. I get it. It's for your goals, your life. And, but those are memories you're not going to get back and sitting down, having a Thanksgiving dinner with your family. Um, it. Yeah, I, I just there was a lot. There was a lot of things um, that way, like missing weddings, missing birthdays, missing barbecues, whatever it was, just knowing prioritizing things in the correct yeah, fashion. Exactly. I could see that, too. Yeah. Next thing. All right, well, let's wrap up on this last question here from Calamash9657. Given that Dana has been waiting to release fights after updates from um, Ngannou or the PFL Bellator show, do you think that they're now beginning to get worried about competition? Look at, look at the, the... No, they're not. Look, here, here's, here's the way to look at it. Does the UFC notice what the PFL is doing, what Bellator... Of course they do. They're a smart business. They're going to know what other people in their landscape are doing, are being successful with, are intruding upon, all these things. They're, they're going to be up on it and knowing. But do I, do I look at it and think that every day they're worried about? No, not at all. They're, they're, they manage their business. They manage their business very well. And they have their ideas and their goals of what they want to achieve now in the year of 2024. They know exactly what direction they want to go. You know, that's the way of uh, striving business that is uh, making money and doing well. That's the way they operate. Uh, they're always, you know, it, again, you need to understand when Dana, you know, sits in front of a scrum and says, you know, Bellator, you know, they don't sell any tickets or anything like that. You know, why would I care? He knows, he knows exactly you know, the Bellator sold out this arena. Bellator sold out. The, he knows all that. He's not a dumb man. He knows. But he's going to put out there that I don't worry about that crap. I worry about my business and they, they can do what they want because they don't mean anything to me. But he absolutely knows when something's going on and what they're doing. He is well informed. He knows the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, John's correct. Um, he, he knows because he also knows that after the Bellator goes to like, say the Acor arena in Paris, he knows when they sell it out. He knows that when they are at the wind trust arena in Chicago, 
though it's a venue that we can go to now, knowing that we can sell it out probably because Bellator sold it out. There's there's areas that they pay attention to see what the market is, and is it worth going to that market? Also, they will potentially probably go there six months to a year right after, so they're not flooding the market there, but they're also on top of it, giving it time to breathe. But then knowing that the last thing you remember is that the UFC was there, not that you went to a Bellator show six months ago. You remembered us being there last. And how and you know, and then you can maybe compare how which show you liked more or whatever it is to get more people to come your way. Dana knows what he's doing. <clears throat> Do I think that they're worried about PFL and Bellator? No, they don't need to be. They do their own thing. PFL and Bellator are doing their own thing. And that's why I liked what Peter Murray said today. Like, look, what we're doing right now with the PFL and Bellator is we're giving these fighters an opportunity to compete and compare themselves. Compare themselves from Bellator to PFL and PFL to Bellator. That's an opportunity that every fighter and every fan has always kind of talked about. We want to see how that fighter would do in the UFC or we want to see how that fighter from PFL would do against that fighter in Bellator or one championship. That's what they're creating. It seems to be that's what they're creating, I should say. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <clears throat> they may in a year go, you know what? This whole thing didn't work and let's just wrap it all up into one big promotion. You never know. But as of right now, it sounds like they're going to run two separate promotions. Champion versus champion. Well, this this whole thing will be done annually. One time, they're going to run champion versus champion. It makes sense. We've been talking about this for a long time. PFL fighters will stay in the tournament format. Bellator fighters will stay in their championship series Bellator, and they will just run their formats separately. And at the end, or January every year, at the end of January or into February, they will end up doing champion versus champion, which is a win-win for, I think, everyone. You know, and hopefully some fighters can come over, whether it's from UFC or whether it's from one or some new up and coming stars that they're going to be rising. Look, AJ McKee is a homebred fighter. Aaron Pico is a homebred fighter. I don't know of any homebred fighters that the PFL has. I can't really say what are some homebred fighters that the UFC has. Bo Nickel is probably just the first one. I would say he's probably a home, he, he, he would be considered a home, a homebred fighter. Um, give me another guy. Who's another? I would say maybe Chamayev, but Chamayev had a lot of fights and a little bit of hype before him. No. But I, I could kind of say it. I would say maybe him, but I would say more of a bow nickel. Someone that you took with almost no fights. I, I would say uh uh you built um Alex Pahe. I would say possibly him. I know he had a kickboxing background. I know that he was a star. Yeah, yeah. not in MMA though. Big No, he only had a couple of fights. They built him up and made him a star. Yep. Conor McGregor had yep. the whole country and came from Cage Warriors, but they still no, he came from. They Cage. still built yeah. him up though, John. He was still kind of like, but he was a hit. Yeah, but he was a two division champion. I got gotcha. Cage Warriors. I got gotcha. you. But I would yeah. say that like they knew they know how to build stars. They know how to do it. They're probably the best in the game at building stars. And if that person is not really a star or doesn't have that, they can sure persuade people to believe that they are a star. And so I, I look at it, I don't think that they're worried about PFL or Bellator. And I don't think right now PFL and Bellator should be worried about the UFC or even talking about the UFC. Focus on what you guys are doing because you're doing something that no one's ever been able to do. Let's see if it works. And if it works, I think 30 shows this year across all boards. They were talking about 30. Something like I that. I heard 30 this morning Crazy. by Peter Murray or yesterday. It was 30, okay. 30, 30 to 33, I think is what they were suggesting. So that's busy. That's busy, but we're gonna we're gonna find out. No, neither one of them are worried about each other. They shouldn't be. They got to focus on their own stuff. 
focus on their own stuff. Uh, Dave, let's do one last one. Go back to where you were. I, I'll ask. I'll ask the question. Let me see where was it. Big John, how is Josh the Pork Thompson doing? <laughs> Dude, we were talking about him earlier. He is doing fantastic. Uh, Josh the Pork is bigger than Josh when, the Punk. <laughs> <laughs> when John, when you leave here, though, I need you to take a picture of the pork and then send it off to Dave, or give him a current picture so we can Dave can put this into the show. I want to see. I want to see okay. how big Josh the Pork is. He well, you know, unfortunately, right now he's about half the size of the four hundred pound pigs that he's uh, next to, so he looks half it's as big. Right. But he's he's actually, I I have to separate him when when I feed him because and I have I have certain sounds and stuff, and he comes running over. He's he's funny because he squeals more than wow. any of them as far as gets excited. But he's I'm always feeding him a little bit more, so he's he's growing yeah. pretty fast. He's uh he's holding his own, man. He's holding his own. He's got three women. <laughs> They're in, in the in the whole area with him, and uh, right now they're kicking his ass. So he's not getting he's not <laughs> getting any tail way, yet. Way more than him. Shoot, he couldn't <laughs> even get up there, man. <laughs> oh shit, that's so great. Uh, well, buddy, if if he's really a Josh Support Thompson, he won't stop trying. He won't stop trying. No, no, <laughs> he'll, he'll keep be, going. Just, just, he'll take a running. That's start. right. That's right. Get it. Get it, young man. Get it. That's it. Go ahead. All right, guys. Hey, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Go to WayneInMerch.com. WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies, our sweaters, our hats, our beanies, all the things that are available on there at WayneInMerch.com. Also, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Hit the little bell and notifications. We drop some shows. You guys caught our one. If you hit the bell, you caught the one that we dropped uh, talking about the Kayla Harrison signing just recently. That's back a couple days. So let's go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button and the bell and notifications. Give us a thumbs up too and drop a comment um, about any of the questions you guys may have. And I'll, I'm going to try to scroll through there and try to get in there and, and, you know, and talk some trash to you guys. So I love that part. John doesn't, do, John doesn't do it as much, but, but for myself, I would love to do it and uh, hit us up. John, take us away, buddy. Hey, for everyone out there, hope you enjoyed our answers. Thank you very much for the questions. One thing I do want to say, uh, Brendan Schaub, I know that you're in a hard time right now with your daughter. God bless you. I hope everything goes prayers and wishes to you. Uh, everything's going to come out okay. So for everyone out there, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you.